0: So Ian called you into the office today because you know that uh, I'm reducing my hours at work and I'll be paying a little bit more attention to the podcast and the site and obviously the non-Euclidean geometry of the Brainwaves HQ. And as such, I will be ranking up as an Ian. Uh, I'll be going to a level two rank, Ian. And there's only so many Ians that the cast can take, so to speak and it's either you leave or we have a Highlander-style duel on the uh, top of the HQ. So, you know, those are the options.
1: Are you firing me, Ian? With with a baby on the way?
0: Well, maybe we can still pay you a small amount if you get like, maybe do some writing for the site, that kind of thing. We can maybe do so, do something that way. But, yeah, I, th- I think the cast is just too Ian-heavy over the last year. There's, there's been too many Ian and Eon jokes, and I, I thought it'd be funny at first, but it got a bit long-winded. And, yeah, Could I have some say,
1: non-Euclidean geometry to take home?
0: I mean, you have to be very careful with it. it we siphon that off directly from the anomaly, so it, it's very volatile. So you have to be careful what you do with it. Hey, I think I'll be fine. I'm, I'm just going to go down and. Do not expose your pregnant wife to it. It's very very bad idea.
1: It's all fine. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick up the anomaly briefly and take a little home as a wee souvenir of the the cast.
0: Well, look, I'll go and get that prepared. Why don't you uh, introduce the fine people? And
2: by the way, I'm Ian McAllister. I'm Ian Chandler. And I'm Jamie Adams, who was surprisingly absent from that little tete a tete. And this is for Ian Chandler to say. This is Brainwaves Episode 70,
1: bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 5th of April, 2021. Candlekeep flame splutters, Netrunner jacks into a new era, and Pokemon craze leads to larceny. All this and more on this, my final episode of Brainwaves.
0: Yes, of course, Uh, Wizards of the Coast, one of our favourite subjects on the show, have recently announced and released a book called Candlekeep Mysteries, an anthology of adventures that are set in the Forgotten Realms, the sort of base setting for Dungeons and Dragons. Amongst the entries in the book was an adventure from Graham Barber, who related his experience of reading the final product on March the twenty-first, twenty twenty-one, on his Twitter account. He had been hired to create a one-shot detailing the conflict between two factions of the. Help me out here, Jamie. Yuanti. Thank you. A serpentine race, also involving the Gripley, a race of frog-like humanoids. Barber said in a site. Barbara said in the site the idea was that the good Yuan-Ti were working to hasten the awakening of the world serpent, the mother goddess of the serpent folk, by recovering an ancient tome from the crypt in the old temple from the story in the book. The evil Yuan-Ti want to stop them, the gripply are caught in the crossfire. Barbara had been very happy with Wizards of the Coast up to this point and said the process of pitching, playtesting and writing went very smoothly. On publication of the adventure though, Barbara noticed that some substantial changes had been made. Barbara says... The yuan T were reduced down to just being evil for evil's sake, the Grippli had their culture stripped out, and so on. Colonialist language and imagery around the Grippli was inserted as well, moving them from being simple and utilitarian with obvious culture and technology to being primitives who primitively decorate their thatched huts with crab bits. Although Barbara admits that Wizard of the Coast has no contractual obligation to inform him of any changes, he said that the worst part of the situation was that he'd given interviews talking about what you can do in the adventure, and some of that turned out to be false due to the changes. These interviews had been coordinated by Wizards of the Coast on his behalf. He also had let Wizards know that he could be contacted at any time for edit requests. Farber has respectfully requested that his name be omitted from future printings, as the adventure has been changed so dramatically from his original vision. So, like, technically Wizards have done nothing wrong here. Like, contractually, they were not obliged to inform Barber of the changes. But it seems an odd move to have arranged interviews for him, presumably vetted what was said in those interviews, and then actually sort of, like, listened to them at some point. And then to have changed the adventure so dramatically that effectively he wasn't telling the truth. Seems like a bit of an an odd take from Wizards. What do you gents think? On a higher
1: level, this is yet another Wizards make a screw-up that they should not be making as the premier tabletop industry company. You just shouldn't... You're a massive, multi-million dollar company. There's no way these simple mistakes should be being made. And it's systemic.
0: There it's, it happens every week. <laughs> yeah, there's an argument there. I, I I mean, I'd argue that that the bigger a company, the more likely these kind of mistakes are to be made because there's less consultation. Like within a small company there's a bit more connection to the product to what they're putting out and maybe there's a little bit more connection to the writers that are involved that you're employing to like write these individual because like candle keep has a good bunch of invention in there so basically these people are being employed to do this it's being edited and stuck in the book whereas in a smaller oh, yeah. company you'd have a much more direct connection but yeah they are that you're right they've been consistent in continuing to make these kind of mistakes
1: yeah, I was more meaning on a like a, a systemic level, this is mm, yeah. just a mistake that a company that is, like, yes, they are a board game company, and our industry is remarkably immature most of the time, but they're also a publicly traded huge company. Fair. So, like, standard PR mistakes of, one of our writers has gone out and said that he's taking his name off the product. That should not be a thing that Wizards of the Coast finds out through Twitter. <laughs> it's just it's just amateur.
2: As you said, they may have been within their rights to do it, which is absolutely fine. But I think it was probably worth letting the author know that such changes are being made. Was there a status quo for the races within the Forgotten Realms that they wanted to uphold? Perhaps. Maybe they should have mentioned that first. Again, that's just a theory. Also, if you did hear the sound of uh, a can opening, other carbonated drinks are available.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they will not hear that sound edit. because I'm a good editor. <laughs> <It will laughs> disappear forever. I continually
1: <laughs> forget that muting Discord does not mute my recording, which is. <laughs>
0: I've always meant to set up a mute button for this microphone so I can do that kind of thing, and I have never actually done it. But all the stuff disappears
2: into the cast anyway. Annoyingly, the new new microphone I've got, you know, and it's a good microphone, and I really like it, but it doesn't have what my old microphone used to have, which was a mute button.
0: Yeah, mine's got a mute Uh, button right here, but you you have to like hold and press press and hold it for a bit. Yeah, so this is nice. Anyway, this is all going in the extras. (laughs)
1: Yep. <laughs> I found a good way of getting making sure the stuff I don't want to say gets edited out is just to repeatedly hit the microphone. Oh nice. Um, while I'm talking.
2: Swearing swearing violently as well. I can get rid of the individual swears as well. The individual swears.
0: <laughs> individual.
2: If individual. I it. A challenge, Are you isn't challenging it, me, McAllister. Yeah.
1: Two people living in Glasgow, how many swears
2: can we fit in the next forty minutes? I mean, again, Glaswegian, <sighs> but... so every other word.
0: Anyway, Mr. Shantler, let's jack in and hack out.
1: In the dim and distant past of July last year, Ian and Ian interviewed Serenity and June, community manager and design lead respectively for Project Nisei, a fan continuation of the much-loved Netrunner card game. During that interview, they told us about some new starter decks and simplified formats that were coming to the game, and we are delighted to say that they are here. System Gateway is a new starter set featuring two decks that can teach you the basics of the game, alongside some features on the Project Nisei homepage. This has been released alongside a startup format for the game which effectively only includes the new cards that Nisei have worked on in the card pool, making things really straightforward for the new player. We honestly don't normally cover new cast new releases on the cast, but we are so excited for this that well Ian wanted to worth to highlight it, and as did I. In um, yeah. they have been doing incredible work in making the game more approachable, easy to teach, and all of us look forward to playing a whole bunch of Netrunner in the near future. Yeah, Ian is hoping to do some teaching soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I used to do a lot of teaching in local sort of Netrunner beginners groups and things like that. I had a uh, a Netrunner beginners league that taught the sort of like um, the sort of one 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 format where you were only you know, had very limited carpool. So I'm looking forward to this, and if you want to learn the game, uh, you can go use gentechi.net, which is an online implementation of Netrunner that's still running. It's very good. And also, if when you create an account on there, you'll find that the system gateway starter decks are already part of your decks that you can make in in that in that system. So they're just there waiting for you to go, and there's a couple of articles on the site that can take you through how to play the different sides of the game. They've done some incredible work. I'm really looking forward to actually digging into that carpool. I was showing the gents before we started that I've started making my first deck in about five years for Netrunner. And I've totally forgotten how, but that's totally fine. Uh, that's part of the joy of it, is uh, making some decks and failing horribly to actually make anything coherent. And yeah, they've done some really good work. The clarified a lot of language, made it easier to get into. Yeah, yeah. I'm so impressed by Project Nisse. I'd love to have them back on some point to... Chat more about yeah what their, what their
2: plans are. I might see about learning how it goes. I'm sorry, might. My... Oh, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, well, get used to it. Suddenly, it's back to fifty-fifty. You like LCGs and CCGs. I am, let's say, lukewarm on them.
0: I will change your mind. It's my aim for. I might say my aim for 2021.
1: Just to clarify, the system gateway product is a product you can buy. On make playing cards and drive through cards, and it's two beginner decks for Netrunner that have cards specifically designed to make it easy to play, but yep. still great fun. It's it's what Netrunner has needed for a very long time. Go buy it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And they've done some excellent work on the terminology and the cards, much better than Fantasy Flight ever did.
1: Yeah. This is Netrunner 2.0. 3.0. Pretty much. Netrunner X.0.
0: Anyway, Jamie, talking about trading card games, uh, the latest Pokemon craze has
2: led to some interesting goings on in Tokyo. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have called Netrunner a trading card game, but I don't know much about it, so show how much I know. Anyway, yes, we all know that tabletop games and card games and board games are a big business, lots of money in it. But this is maybe a little bit, a uh, little bit on the other side. In Tokyo, a 28-year-old man has been arrested for alleged trespassing and burglary of 1,000,000 yen's worth of trading cards. Kensuki Nakanishi broke into the trading card shop on the top floor of a six-story building in Tokyo's Higashi-Ikebukuro neighborhood. He didn't, however, use the door. He allegedly fastened a rope to a railing on the roof of the building, climbed down five meters remember that's the top of a six-story building, and use what is described as a tool to smash a window. He also had no safety line while climbing down, by the way. Uh, Once inside, he took about 80 Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards, valued at around 1 million yen, which is around 9,000 American dollars, and also 260,000 yen, about 2,400 American dollars in cash. He was caught on CCTV footage near the shop, was suspected, and subsequently arrested. He reportedly admitted it all, saying... I did it to pay off a debt. And I was in rock climbing club in high school, so I wasn't afraid of heights.
0: (laughs) Well, as long as he wasn't afraid, that's okay. Quite extraordinary. Just
1: the most high stakes board game crime ever.
0: Scaling down a building, break in. It's, it's, up there, stole, it's, like, up it's up there, though. It's up there. It's up there. I'm fairly certain there have been murders over Magic the Gathering cards. I don't know if we've ever covered it on this cast because I think it was before this cast existed.
2: Mister McAllister's um, suppositions do not necessarily reflect those idea of uh, brainwaves and the giant brain as a whole. We cannot substantiate this as of this time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure
0: there, be, there have certainly been robberies in the states, and I'm pretty sure there was a one murder over Magic the Gathering collections. I did well, forget
2: about Magic? Yeah. 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 Either sense. way, it's still. It's still pretty amazing. It's a, it's a great story. It's a great story. <laughs> and to be fair, eighty cards. You slip that into your pocket. Although, if they're pristine, maybe you don't want to slip that into a pocket.
0: Well, they're probably in the little plastic like holder things, right, for the pristine cards.
2: Yeah, but still, it's you like, you don't want them rubbing against it and maybe devaluing it. I mean, that's going to go from like a like a was it prime mint gem ten to like a prime. No, mint they'll gem be in
0: like little hard plastic uh, protectors. That oh, your pocket.
2: okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I am deeply upset about is he wasn't a content creator cuz he could have got like 150 TikTok videos out of this heist.
2: Yeah. But, but the, don't do don't do the modern 000. thing. Don't don't like live stream your
1: robbery. <laughs> I mean it, it would make you a lot more money than stealing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people have been arrested cuz they've live streamed their robbery
2: and things like that. Anyway, let's <laughs> move away from modern social media and live streaming. crimes and felonies going on. I don't want to call them felonies. Anyway, on to the news.
0: Speaking of social media, last month in episode 68, we reported that Luke Crane, then vice president and community head at Kickstarter, was crowdfunding a project called The Perfect RPG a tabletop RPG collection which featured work from Adam Koble. Koble was an RPG designer and ex-host of a Twitch play series which featured an in-game sexual assault which we had reported on in previous casts. It appears that the full list of participants had not been shared with other contributors at the time and this caused several of them to back out publicly and the project was finally cancelled with the full list removed with the explanation being redacted to reduce future harassment. Crane came out with a public statement on March 26th in which he said I wish to unequivocally apologise to you and everyone affected for the harm I've done to the community with this project. Regarding the decision to publish a list of contributors in reverse alphabetical order by first name, which put Adam Koble's name at the bottom, he said I was seeking to highlight the first creator on this list who is my primary playtester for this project. In hindsight this was a poor idea that came off as duplicitous for which I apologise. Kickstarter has also issued a statement regarding this, saying that Crane would be leaving Kickstarter after a mutual decision, and although he was overall head of community, he had no direct dealings with the games part for a while. That is true. A different person is in charge of games at Kickstarter at the moment. My personal reading of that is, mutual decision is, you know, a nice way of saying he was, like, pushed before he was fired and the list of contributors in reverse alphabetical order excuse is just
2: this doesn't ring true to me at all like he knew what he's doing on that i'm sorry if that is the pure yeah as you said the pure intention i think there are probably other ways at which that could have been done that is my like, yeah tr- try tr- i'm again i'm trying to yeah, i'm yeah. trying to keep that that kind of not neutral non-judgmental ground i'm like there are better ways you could have done that that's all i'm gonna yeah. say
0: there are different ways to read that, I'll agree. But yeah, and like you say, Jamie, there are different ways to have done that. Absolutely. But yeah, it looks like that story has come to an end. Anyway, Ian, uh, Matt, wizards in yet more controversy over art.
1: Yes, this is our weekly Wizards of the Coast. Wait, sorry, am I repeating us? We've already done the weekly Wizards of the Coast.
2: Uh, sorry, sorry, mm. I, I forgot to stack all this together, sorry. Yeah, it's uh... two weekly
0: rather than bi-weekly now.
1: Gotcha. Thanks. Bi-weekly, of course. Yeah, two per week.
0: Yeah, two per week. That's what that means, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Wizards of the Coast has cut ties with an artist that was accused of plagiarising art for one of the recent cards in Magic the Gathering upcoming set, Strixhaven, School of Mages, aka Harry Potter.
0: Scurrilous lies.
1: (laughs) Crux of Fate was part of the upcoming Mystical Archive set and depicts two dragons... Ugin and Nicol Bolas prepared and engaged in battle. The art for it was created by Jason Felix. Shortly after the reveal of the card, Kit Lapina posted on Twitter that the card bore a startling resemblance to her fan art of Nicol Bolas she created in 2016. And indeed, the video they put up showed that it was quite clearly a tracing. Wizards of the Coast released a statement on the thirtieth of March, saying these actions do not reflect the values of Wizards, and as a result, we will be suspending future work with Jason Felix until we have been able to bring this matter to a successful conclusion. And that's it for Wizards of the Coast in hot water number two.
0: Indeed, I mean, at least they've done something about that one. You know, yep, yeah. they've reacted. They've they've cut ties to the artist until they can figure out what's happened there. I mean. Looking at the piece of art side by side, and we'll put links to um, the articles that mention this in the show notes from Dicebreaker, there's some pretty obvious similarities. Yeah,
1: the the only lacking similarity which the artist points out is where the DeviantArt
2: logo was. <laughs> 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 yeah. Not even kidding. Also, this in with some late-breaking Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast news. Uh, Again, about Strixhaven School of Mages, it seems that pre-release cards will not be available for for pre-release in America and several other countries around the world. Reasons for this are unclear. Some suppositions include the Ever Given getting stuck sideways in the Suez Canal, other being the winter storms in Texas, which devastated uh, the infrastructure of the country as the company responsible for handling Magic the Gathering's English language printing is based in Dallas.
1: Speaking of card games, Jamie, we go to a far superior, far more strategic, and far better all-round card game.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know. there, there can be only one, can't there? You're or trying to get us complaints before you leave. There can be only <laughs> uno. There can be only uno. See what I this is a very... I'd have to say, I think this is quite, um, quite a heavy card game-based podcast today. Because we've got... We started with... Okay, role-playing game. Okay, uh, but then we had Netrunner, Pokemon, and we've talked about Magic: The Gathering, and now we're on to Uno.
0: You just need to get aboard the card game train, Jamie. That's 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 what you need. Yeah.
2: So. We've talked previously on the cast uh, of 2021, at least, that this year is the 50th anniversary of UNO, and we've seen some celebration stories crop up, like the UNO World Championships that Mattel announced. But uh, today, oh, we've got a, a blinder for you. Mattel in Australia is running a competition to win a 22 carat gold UNO card holder, handmade by an Australian master goldsmith, which apparently takes around 80 hours to make. It has a 99.99% purity level, comes with a red velvet-lined custom case, and is valued at around 3500 Australian dollars. Now, of course, this is only available in Australia, so hopefuls will have to have bought an UNO deck from the 1st of March until around the beginning of April, about now. Uh, They will have to have logged onto the website and given the best answer to the question, what's the wildest UNO move you've ever made in 25 words or less? I mean, I'm struggling to think of an answer there, to be honest. But I'll come back they to that. Through the they whole Uno
0: four. deck at your opponent's head to knock them out.
2: <laughs> That's not a legal move. And I don't know what Uno games you've been playing.
0: It didn't say legal move. It said wildest move. I'll have you. I'll,
2: I'll have you read. Broke That's...
1: into a store in Tokyo to steal <laughs> rare Uno cards.
2: <laughs> the winner is to be announced on the fifth of April, the day this podcast is released. But uh, it's usually this one. But usually this podcast is uh, released in the morning, uh, UTC. Uh, So, evening Australian time, in which case the winner will be notified. So, listener in Australia, if you ever listen to this and you won, congratulations. Um, Let us know. Yeah. Uh, Mattel has also said there will be more celebrations planned. Now, I love Uno. I think it's another game that I think gets some derision because it is... I don't know. I think you know, it's dare I say it one of the more mainstream games, and that is that is afforded it some level of oh, it's really simple. Don't worry about it. But I play it with children at work, as young as like six or seven. I've had evenings where my partner, myself, and a family friend had several adult beverages and uh, played Uno multiple hands, which got louder, more raucous, and swearier uh, the more the adult beverages were. Is it adult or adult? I think it's adult beverages, because adult beverages is, is naughty.
0: so we wanted to take a little moment to reflect on the last three years of this podcast we've been going for three years which uh who on earth knew that that would happen we actually launched on the first of april i I don't remember that i kid you not we i I, i'd forgotten until i looked back at podcast number one we launched on first of april 2018 yes 2018 it's a very long-running april fool's joke yeah (laughs) I don't think anyone takes us seriously now, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should have seen that coming. Been, we've been running for three years, uh, reporting on the news of the industry. Probably, I think we're one of the only podcasts, really, that does this kind of level of stuff. We're actually looking into the news of the industry, not really concentrating on new release. And actually talking about some of the difficult stuff in the industry. And we want to take a moment to look back at that, sort of reflect on what the future of the cast is obviously Ian is uh, leaving the cast now Mr. Shantler is going to be uh, stepping down as a co-host and uh, we're extremely sad to see him go he's been excellent over the last year or so as, since he's joined the joined the cast
1: Thank you both for having me it's been genuinely lovely
2: Yeah, it's been great It's It's been, been, been amazing great. and thank you for initially coming in to be a better me and you're a much better me than I ever could be <laughs> Yeah, you should be wearing the hats <laughs> yeah. I'm very confused no, uh, it was because when I was going away on tour, I uh, yeah. approached you to take over my job. Of course. Uh, and and then, then when Lockdown hit, you were just like, should it just be the three of us? Yeah, it worked so far. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you are, yeah, you're much better me than I ever could be. So thank you. I was about to say I've done every single cast, but I actually
0: haven't. That's you not, liar, that's not true. you have not. No, oh, I, I, really? there was one I was not on. Yeah, Sam and Jamie covered at one point. One wow. cast when I, when I can do it. Which is why so, it's a three hundred cast. Well, no, it's one of the reasons there is it. I I wanted a three hundred cast in the first place is that it means that some one person can miss out and there is still banter and chat between the hosts. That's all good. I'll also be I'm going to be reducing my hours at work over the course of this year, which will give me a bit more time to actually spend on the cast and the site. So hopefully that will lead to some new things. I've got some sort of ideas bubbling away in the back of my brain. I still want to spin off Brainstorm into a, a bigger, a separate cast at some point. A sort of Panorama news night, sort of discussion kind of show kind of thing. I haven't quite decided how, what that looks like yet and when I'll do it. But yeah, I would like to do that. Maybe a couple of those sometime this year. And we'll still be doing some specials. Got some ideas for those over the course of the year. Right, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the format as it is. It's changed a bit over the years. Like It used to be a little bit more wacky. It's become a little bit more straight-laced in the last sort of year or so, I guess. But that's kind of reflected the nature of the stuff we've been reporting on.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I said we initially started off doing some sketches. And, you know, I'm not going to claim to be John Cleese or Graham Chapman. But uh, writing sketches... Uh, yeah, the, the sketches are good. Uh, I think also with the lack of playing games... And the, you know, the last yeah. year has been, let's say, somewhat tumultuous in the board game world. Yeah, uh, I was about to say specifically online, but that's what, where predominantly most of the board game world is right now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a year of reflection for the board game industry, I think. There's been a lot of
0: sort of companies looking inward and people taking stock of various sort of political situations and social situations in the hobby and kind of taking time to look at those and going, well, this isn't right. Can we change things for the better? And that has led to a lot of, yeah, turmoil in the industry. A bit the companies running into trouble for not addressing concerns of the of the sort, of, the the board game community. And yeah, we've reported on a lot of that stuff. And some of the casts over the last year have been quite difficult to put together. We've like reported on controversies with people like Phil Eklund and Dino Tashini, and problems at Kickstarter and Cards Against Humanity, and. Wizards of the Coast. Coast. <laughs> I can't remember big controversies with Fantasy Flight Games, other than some of their sort of like changing of like how they're doing stuff and that kind of thing. But no, like no actual awful things going on inside their their infrastructure. Yeah, it's been a it's been quite a tough year for board game news.
2: I think. Looking forward, I don't know. I think the cast is still going to change. You know. Oh yeah, it's an ever-growing thing, and what yep. what it is now is the state that we find ourselves in, and the. Kind of trying to reflect slightly what the industry is in, but that will yeah, change, yeah. um, you know, hmm. depending on what happens. And do we know exactly what it's going to be? No, so the future is wide open. And I guess, you know, if I if I may be a bit on the the downer for a minute, uh, we'll do it, we'll keep doing this as long as we enjoy doing it, yeah, yeah. Like, we like we take we take stock
0: of it every year when the, the anniversary comes around and like have a think about like do we want to continue and as long as we're happy doing it, none of us are getting paid to do this like we, we make some money off the patron and like that's paid for some equipment and that kind of thing it'd be lovely like I don't have any real desire to turn professional though I'd love to do some like paid writing that'd be amazing at some point but yeah the cast is never going to make big bucks because that's just the nature of podcasting unless we go down paid advertising and that kind of thing route and I don't want to do that I don't want to sponsor the site through advertising or anything of that ilk Let's turn to Mr. Shantler, who's leaving the cast. What, what have your thoughts been over the last year of being on the cast? And
2: you can be as brutal as you like. <laughs> oh, now, oh, now you've said No, 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 no. Oh, I'm go- I'll be honest. Oh, right? You're leaving. Honest, fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> hey, it's been, it's been great fun. I think this is possibly the most niche cast I could imagine. Like, <laughs> when I describe it to friends, I've been like, okay, you've got to, like a few minutes of improv comedy followed by 40 minutes of usually really bad news about the board game industry. <laughs> and my friends are like, well, well, I only... i Really, board games are maybe a tertiary hobby? And then they're like, am, am I really that interested in the financial comings and goings of a, a company who makes a game I've not even bought? Oh yeah, we're a niche um, of a niche. <laughs> so, yeah, basically... Of a niche. I... Yeah, <laughs> that I think that's my favorite thing about this cast. That it's like, it, it is just people doing what they enjoy, and that's that. There is no aspiration to hey, we're going to become this commercial giant who's going to take
2: who wants to do that, um, adverts and all that kind Fair of stuff. Fair play to you if you've done it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have I told you about Raid Shadow Legends? Yeah, it's, it's it's like one of the, one of the reasons I started the cast
0: is like I could think I could see a niche, I could see a, a gap that was like no one was really talking about the actual news of the hobby. And that that's why like that's why I sort of reached out to Jimmy and uh, Jimmy and Sam in the first place and said like do you want to
2: do this thing with me? Cuz Sam and I did it and we were just messing about. <laughs> but that's where the yeah. monopoly news came from. Yeah. As I maybe said before. Every It seemed that every time we did it, we had Monopoly news <laughs> and I we just carried it over and it started as a joke and Ian get annoyed with it, but it's here to stay, baby. Absolutely. It's awesome.
0: Anyway, uh, we reached out to on our social medias on Twitter and Discord and our Facebook for some questions for the cast and ourselves. So first up is a question from Oliver of Tabletop Games Blog. Uh, what is our favorite episode?
2: Ian, you said you had a very specific answer to this.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. I don't know the exact cast, but it's the it's the last one I listened to, which was, I think, like, maybe a month before I joined the cast. Because <laughs> the second I joined the cast, you guys lost a permanent listener. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say, now that I have not enough time to be on this cast, you're about to regain a listener. So, basically, good work on your analytics. Um, swing's in roundabouts, isn't <laughs> <doesn't> it? Woo! <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'll use board game terminology: <laughs> snakes and ladders, isn't it? Snakes and ladders.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, nice. o- only board game analogies are allowed on this cast. I think my favorite episode yep. is probably one we did together. You know, on Project Nisse. I really, really enjoyed talking to mm. those folks. It was a really good. It was a really interesting special. Yeah. Fine then.
1: Yeah, hearing June and Serenity, like Serenity, talk about the the realities of being a community manager for mm. a volunteer organization. That has effectively no cash but a huge amount of responsibility. And then June talking about all the cool design possibility of Netrunner for the next few years. Like,
0: yeah, I could have talked to June for ages and ages about design yeah. kind of like that, that kind of card game, because I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. I I, I love the episode. it's still it's still one of our most popular casts. Mm. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it's in our top ten of all time, that that, that particular special. Yeah, and and they were very good about sharing it. So thank you, Project Nessie, for actually sharing the thing that we did with you. We love
1: you. We're going to be on Jinteki very soon.
2: Oh, yes. I remember my sign-in and everything. Nice. I don't know if I have a favorite episode. I know it's a cop-out. Is it not
1: this one, Um, Jamie? how can
0: i mean
2: every listen, cat i listen. mean i mean wait. we're we're losing ian
0: it's got to be your favorite episode right you hate <laughs>
1: wait that would be next week that is jamie's favorite cast <laughs> oh my god he's got which gone. is why he's he's dissembling at the moment <laughs>
2: <laughs> i yeah i know it's 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 a simple, it's a cop out i i don't have a favorite episode um cuz i'll be honest some of the news sticks in the head usually stuff if it comes up again and again hmm. but a lot of the stuff I'm like right we've done it Great. Let's move on. If it comes back, great. If it doesn't, fine. But it's just a new and different challenge each week. I'd say my favorite episodes are—it's a bit again a bit of a cop out, but ones that aren't ridiculously heavy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ones where it can be a bit like, lighter. It's nice.
2: Although that's interesting in a very different way because yes, although we <laughs> I was about to say we answer to no one, it is still in my head going, and Ian usually edits out. It's Me usually going. Can we change how we say that a little bit? Just yeah. this is how it comes through in my head and the potential context in which we're saying it and how it could come across. Um, that's not saying it's something I enjoy. I just think it's an interesting challenge uh, to figure out.
0: That's fair. There's a puzzle to solve there every, every week when, when we're handling hard news. We, all, we always have like a chat about it. And sometimes those chats happen mid-cast if we just like change our minds about how to approach something a lot of that stuff gets lost in editing obviously because you folks don't really want to hear that some of that goes into the extended but for the most part a lot of that that chat gets edited out because it's not particularly interesting it's interesting to us but it's not actually worthy of of like paint as as broadcast material and there's always like something to talk about there uh your
1: answer there made me realize what Um, three years of podcasting or rather one year for myself has taught us which is the like the broader view of looking at the news where what you were saying was it sticks in your head it was um when we did story after story on the value of pokemon cards going up and then it was (laughs) like we're probably not going to say on cast but this was looking at behind the scenes and going yeah there is this isn't a random happenstance that is making these cards go up. This is a concerted effort by a series yeah. of purchasers. Whereas if you like, if you do the news one week at a time, then you go, yep, Pokemon cards are selling really well this week. Whereas looking at it across months, you go, okay, there is a genuine story here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was an interesting one, that. Anyway, so more questions. Uh, so, Hal from the Discord, who we've played a few games with on the Giant Brain Discord as well, uh, asks What story we've covered do we think we are likely to still be hearing about by the time of the fourth anniversary in 2022? So, this time next year
2: COVID 19, uh, Frost Haven, <laughs> uh, Games Expos potentially being pushed back because still people aren't being vaccinated uh, despite there being a huge rollout. Um, Pokemon card value manipulation pokemon card manipulation (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, more stuff from kickstarter more stuff from wizards of the coast i have a feeling that there is there's a reason these stories keep coming around again and
1: asmodee internal workings and what is going on ffg is ffg going to be (laughs) a shell or will they have will this time next year will i be listening it already is Will I be listening to the cast and you two will be saying, hey, there's this cool new game coming out from FFG that is a genre they've never done and a, it's a, a new IP?
2: I was going to ask if they've done a Roland write before, but. Nope. Not yet. Oh, geez, that's. Yeah, that's a bad sign. Uh,
0: no, no, no miniatures roll on a roll <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah. roll you
2: don't have the vision for the miniatures based Roland You Roll the miniatures. <laughs> You have to write them out and then, like, origami them together. Uh, Just a wee thing, uh, just what is three years of podcasting to us? Something that I still struggle with every every time we do it, which is trying to sound... I am reading off a script, but trying to make it sound like I'm not reading off a script. Trying to stop waffling, because I still waffle incredibly badly. Uh, If I don't know, not just going, uh... Because vocal fry is very bad for the voice, and... And I have to edit out. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> I thought after one year I had finally learned to stop reading the headlines, and then I said, "Netrunner opens the gates tonight," and that's me right back where I began. So what have I learned? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, dear listener. That's
2: what I've it learned. It was
0: candle jack,
2: wasn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I think I think we all make two or three mistakes a cast. It's just that's just inevitable.
2: <laughs> Amateurs.
0: <laughs> uh, Hal also asks, "What room would almost like to add to the?" We would never no, no, no. Hal also asks, "What room would we almost like to add to the HQ?"
2: Sauna, for no other reason than I. I actually, no. Let me change that. Um, little bar.
0: Little... Was the, the bar and kitchen already that exists?
2: Yeah, but that's that's it's in the canteen. Okay, let me. like a little answer.
0: bespoke bar kind of thing. A little or... bespoke bar, yeah, yeah. Like a smoking room.
2: At, no, because we've got RPG corner. Um, no, actually, I know. I know what we we need installed. Uh, a toilet.
0: Oh, the bucket's not good enough.
2: I'm having words with my union ref about that. Jamie here aiming for the scar, the
1: stars. You have a
0: union
2: a- and the scar.
1: <laughs> Shoot for the stars, you'll end up in the gutter, and that is better than hey. the brainwaves toilet.
0: I'm going to be adding a electro- lecture, hall. soon. I'm literally going to be adding that because there's a new feature on Discord that allows us to do that. So we're going to be adding a lecture hall. Maybe invite some people to come and give lectures.
2: Ian, it's with you leaving. Is there anything you would like to add uh, retroactively, or would like to have seen?
0: We should I add an Ian Chandler games room. <laughs> yeah. In, in honor of his of his leaving, it's
1: exclusively Netrunner, and exclusively me <laughs> not playing it due to having no time.
0: It, it's only accessible by you, <laughs> and you have to play Netrunner on your own. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> I, I would like the telescope room not an astronomy Ooh, room that. but a telescope room where we store the telescopes okay I like that just
0: a room full of telescopes yes
1: because adults who I, I like the idea adults who are into astronomy just collect telescopes
2: it's like board games you collect the hobby is okay. collecting sorry I realize I'm going back and forth of things that I've learned over three years because that's just keep going and Ian if you edit it all together that's fine if you don't that's also fine um, board game jargon like industry board game jargon, like the fact is on our uh, Google document that we use for every podcast, uh, at the very top, we've got, "beware." I had to write beware board game jargon. For example, keep using the words Wizards, WOTC, FFG. If this is the first podcast that someone has listened to and they pick up and say they've never listened to, they don't know anything about board games, but they want to get into that and they want to know about the news. Picking up and hearing this news from Asmodee, Wizards, WOTC, um, it's like, you know, videos that I made before about talking about, you know, uh, analysis paralysis and king-making and take that, and it's like, what do all these words mean? Admittedly, they're all gaming terms, but...
0: Yeah, we do our best to try and keep that as simple as possible, yeah.
2: Yeah, just making sure that, that if there is jargon, it is not... It is explained first.
0: Yeah. Try and, try and listen to it with new ears and, like, say say what things mean, yeah.
2: Because, you know, in its own small way if we just surround ourselves with jargon it is uh, it could be argued it it's a form of gatekeeping because if you don't understand the jargon what yeah. use are you going to be in this gaming circle which is nonsense it's nonsense it's balderdash I say
0: one more question before we move on from Simon on the discord similar to what Hal asked but basically he's asking what story we'll be covering in a year's time which we've kind of asked and on the 10th anniversary which would be 2028
1: wizards of the coast in hot water <laughs>
0: <laughs> Asmodee now owns all of board gaming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Asmodee is brand except, except GMT. Except GMT because they don't want it. Uh no, GMT's got a strong. Oh no, I, I think have got sure. I
0: I think GMT are great and produce some excellent games but I just don't think Asmodee wants anything to do with them. Don't don't criticize our future owners, Ian. Yeah, Asmodee, Asmodee, great. <laughs> oh, might may have finally come out in ten years' time. Tenebrou? The Simon digital platform oh, thing they the talked water. about two years ago. Oh,
2: Tebru, yes, Tebru, de- the...
0: That was what it's called. That might finally arrive. Final... So again,
2: this, that's a deep dive. That is that is something we covered. Uh, I'm going to say in the m- t- middle of 2019.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
2: We talked about it at i think the first time i properly met you ian at tabletop scotland because we're talking about it and it was cool mini or not the the company had least they were announcing uh teboru which was a digital board game table which could interact with games like zombicide and it has been a year and a half Admittedly, this is technology so it takes a lot longer to develop and there haven't been any conventions as well so i haven't been able to show anything off i'm sure there was other things St- stay to the board game um okay interesting go a bit serious for a second so the board game renaissance, let's call this era that we've been living in, you know. Yep. Some people say it begins around 1995 when Settlers of Catan was released. Some might say some might say early mid-2000s when Days of Wonder, like Ticket to Ride, yep. kicked everything off. Again, so let's say we've had about 20 to 25 years. Or, sorry, about 15 to 25 years, so give or take a few years. Do we think this continued board game renaissance is going to continue for, say, another ten years? Do we think the bubble is going to burst eventually?
0: I think we'll probably, have, over that time, like some what. So we're talking twenty twenty eight. So I, th- I think we'll have seen a bit of a dip and then a rise again, maybe. But then again, I think one one of the reasons given for the sort of board game renaissance is our sort of disconnected society over to our digital platforms that kind of thing and board games provide that game people around the table face-to-face gaming kind of experience just that, that sort of social experience uh, so maybe as digital stuff continues to occupy our lives and and take our attention board gaming will just continue to become more and more mainstream maybe we'll see more games in bigger stores and supermarkets things like that we'll see more games Going to the mainstream. I remember uh, Eric Lang was tweeting the other day. who's a big sort of, sort of thematic board game designer, big things like Ra- Rising Sun, Blood Rage. He was tweeting about making more sort of family orientated, more mainstream stuff. So I think I think we'll see more of that. I think we'll see more of the the sort of ho- what we think of as the hobbyist companies, like Cool Mini or Not, for instance, starting to try and get a bit of that more mainstream market. I think we're. I think we're going to see much more of that over the next two, three years because they know it's there now. Over the pandemic, there's been a lot of. Like, there's been a lot of board game sales for like board game companies have done extremely well. Board game shops, not so much. That's a different conversation. But board game companies have done pretty well. So there's obviously a demand there, and I can see like more hobbyist companies becoming more mainstream over time because they're going to want to seek out new revenue streams and they're going to diversify. Yep, I think that kind of thing's inevitable.
1: Additionally, yeah, I think Hasbro also will be looking at like if they've not had the boardroom conversation of how do we turn our casual Monopoly customers into purchasers of our large back catalogue.
0: Yeah, then I'd be very surprised. So yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, they 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 are trying to convert people the other way from. like that more sort of family sort of tradition traditional game i guess you might want to call it into sort of more hobbyist gamers yeah We'd love to thank everyone who's listened to the cast over the last three years and been along with us on this journey. Thank you so much for your time and, and listening to us, reading the articles on the site. It's all very, very much appreciated. And we'd like especially to thank our patrons who give, throw us a few coppers here and there and allow us to keep the cast going. Especially to our new patron, William Nichols. Thank you so much for joining us recently. And our executive producer, Sean Newman, from the Lot team. We'll put links to his site in the show notes. And we are also uh, delighted to announce that we'll be joining the Tabletop Games Blog Radio. Oliver Kinna of Tabletop Games Blog, he's launching a new internet radio station that's going to be available 24-7, made up of a bunch of different casts, including his own. And we will be on that eventually. Maybe not in the first week or so. I've been talking to Oliver behind the scenes about that. Uh, so in the first couple of weeks or so, you'll see, hear some of the Brainwaves uh, podcast on there. And i will just be our most recent cast. will go on there when and it and if and when it appears and also you can hear like sort of we're not wizards uh nailer games have got a new podcast on there and all of tabletop games blog and tabletop inquisitions podcast will be on there as well along with some music and other articles and maybe some live stuff as well i believe is planned online interesting format and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to being a part of that and news is a big part of radio absolutely We're, we're going to be the news part of that radio station Anyway, it's about time we got out of here. But first, before we
2: go, Jamie, it's all go at Monopoly. Well, yes. Now, I think it could be... I think it's uh, very easy to say. Board games may do more harm than good to the planet. Uh, Gallons of plastic, forests of cardboard and paper, and many mines of metal go into our games every year. To say nothing of the ecological shipping costs... (coughs) Suez. (coughs) Sorry, bad reflex cough um in fact i think i think we may have somebody who is actually leaving the podcast who might actually have something uh, like a, a focus on uh, sustainability in games isn't that right ian sustainability in games wow it was it, how fortunate of you and
1: what serendipity that you mentioned the name of my little project to make
2: games more sustainable seamless if you would like if you're a company listen to this and would like to think about the sustainability in your games uh speak to ian because ian is great and i'm not just saying that because on the podcast also he's great i
1: am quite slow to reply to emails at the moment as my wife
2: is six months pregnant and i started a new job so apologies for that but he will get back to you so this is the outro so where's the monopoly news you talk about ecology anyway right so thank you to oliver of tabletop games blog for slinging this my way We have Hasbro releasing Monopoly Go Green Edition. Now, the package, game board, game guide, money, cards, storage bag, insert, and money tray are made from 100% recycled paper. And the greenhouses, remember this is ecologically focused Monopoly, and dice are made from FSC certified wood from well-managed forests. Tokens are made with a plant-based plastic derived from sugar cane, a renewable raw material. Just interject,
1: FSC certification is genuinely the gold standard for wood. So, cardboard paper recyclable stuff that's FSC certified.
2: That's the gold standard. This is genuinely good. Good work. This is fantastic. Yeah. The back of the box I like does have build wooden greenhouses and play with wooden dice as one of its big interest points. Interesting that they're bringing that up like in particular. With this version of Monopoly, renewable energy is the focus with a solar field and a wind farm taking the part of the facilities and cycle paths replacing train stations. Now, there are no hotels in the game, just greenhouses. Now, rent with a greenhouse is double the normal rent, which is now just the price of the property, so it's, it's more expensive. Now, for Hasbro, of all companies to make this, to push this out, is actually quite a nice surprise. Um, really, you know, although I always want to have Monopoly news, this is both good because it's Monopoly news and it's really good ecological news. But, big but, I worry this is, like, a. I worry it's a token gimmick version, like we had Hipster Monopoly and Socialism and Monopoly, so, and yeah, the ones that I, we, we've talked about before and variously complained, ranted, screamed about. If Hasbro can hopefully start to bleed some of these practices into the regular Monopoly, you know, I, I don't know the cost of making it, you know, I, this isn't my thing, but if they can... We might be going someplace and could be the start of a shift in, uh, in, in production. You know, if you get Monopoly behind, behind you, then...
0: Yeah.
1: What makes this possibly my favourite ever Monopoly news is that it is genuinely not easy to get FSC certified materials in dice and card and cardboard and paper. Not all manufacturers uh, have those options. So Hasbro throwing their weight around and saying, hey, we want one of these available, at least in all of these options, is giant. And I suspect it's an outcome of Hasbro becoming a, a larger company and saying, we're a huge publicly traded company with sustainability concerns as part of being that. So we've got to do this kind of thing. But it's, it's fantastic on an industry level. If Hasbro does it, everybody can follow because all games are made in the same place. China.
0: Well, you'll have to come back on and report, be our special report on sustainability (laughs) for the cast
2: then. I would love to.
0: Excellent.
2: How do you feel about an extended sabbatical with occasional roving reporter responsibilities? (laughs) I would love that. I
1: believe I'm allotted some spare time in 18 years and three months, which sounds pretty good.
2: I, and i and i negotiated that for you hey <laughs> see not just a pretty face and not even that because i have a face for radio as my mother told me and that's why we do a podcast and not
0: a, not a youtube channel also a radio for a face it's true it's disturbing anyway uh ian thank you so much for being a ghost for the last year it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Thank uh, you so much to you sad to see you go but hopefully we'll have you back on from time to time out the old podcasting equipment and come back on and uh, tell us about sustainability and board games which will obviously be huge in the next five years probably.
1: Yeah, I honestly think it will I like,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's becoming more of a concern and I'm more, hot, more companies are turning towards it. Do you want to, to read us out for the last time? Very well.
1: Thank you very much for listening if you've liked what you've listened to and then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Discord. Um, it's, a, it's a complicated link. Just, just hit us up on one of our socials. Um, <laughs> Twitter, The Giant Brain. Insc- Instagram, Giant Brain UK. Facebook, The Giant Brain. Website, giantbrain.co.uk. And email all of your comments, queries, corrections, and complaints to the other Ian at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely time.
0: Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. Jamie is just saluting.
1: Jamie remains at full salute. Not a euphemism.